BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The blame game has begun. Not long after the final plane left Afghanistan, the U.S. intelligence community leaked details of a phone conversation between President Biden and now former Afghan President Ashraf Ghani. It's the opening salvo in a CYA campaign that's likely to extend in the weeks ahead as government officials run for cover amidst the political fallout. We'll have details in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. It was entirely predictable. Biden administration now, after the debacle of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, already acting like this is something to be proud of, to be celebrated, separating, of course, the overall decision to end the war from the means and manner in which they accomplished this, as if strategic retreat versus everyone run for their lives, there's no difference between them, right? Yet here you had Biden yesterday giving an address on this issue where he said that he take, uh, t- took responsibility, but um, also said that he disagrees that the evacuation should have started earlier. I take responsibility for the decision. Now, some say we should have started mass evacuation sooner. And couldn't this have been done, have been done in a more orderly manner? I respectfully disagree. Imagine if we've begun evacuations in June or July, bringing in thousands of American troops and evacuating more than 120,000 people in the middle of a civil war. There still would have been a rush to the airport, a breakdown in confidence and control of the government. You know, it would have been really bad no matter what he's saying. So he did it as well or as badly as anybody else would have, because, you know, that's just the way it is taking responsibility. It it seems like there's a a schizophrenia, a split personality issue here with the administration. On the one hand, they're saying, yeah, we didn't understand how quickly the government was going to fall. On the other hand, they're blaming Trump. On the other hand, they got a lot of hands. They're saying that this was a big success. Well, which one is it? Uh, Which one actually should the American people believe is true? I guess they could say there are all these different factors coming together, but ultimately, Was this botched or not? Well, if you're going to look at the parts of it that clearly were botched, I mean, the issue of leaving behind 10% of the Americans, at least 10% of the Americans who wanted to get out, the thousands and thousands, it's now believed less than half of SIV applicants who were supposed to get out of the country were able to. So there's certainly blame to go around. That's clear. Oh, but that's right. Biden is going to do what he was expected to do all along, which is find a way to blame Trump for this. My predecessor had made a deal with the Taliban. When I came into office, we faced a deadline, May 1. 
the Taliban onslaught was coming, we faced one of two choices. Follow the agreement of the pre previous administration and extend it to have or extend to have more time for people to get out. Or send in thousands of more troops and escalate the war. That was the choice? There was no other choice, huh? So then does Trump get credit for the withdrawal because he set up the timeline? Or does Trump only get credit for the messed up way in which the Biden team actually ended this and did not manage to get everybody out of the country that they were supposed to? Depends on who you ask or what the moment is like. Here's Chief of Staff Ron Klain saying, this is White House Chief of Staff, saying that, yeah, this was, you know, Biden did as well as anybody would do. You know, you make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. It's easy to second guess, but let's just be clear. America was in this war for 20 years, and I think any effort to unwind that, any effort to bring our troops out, any effort to end our military presence yeah. in Afghanistan was going to be filled with uh, heartbreaking scenes and difficulties. And I think uh, the Biden administration has managed that as well as it could be managed under the circumstances we were placed in. He's saying it's as good as it could have been. He's saying that while you have the, the Taliban here parading around in vehicles they seized from our supposed Afghan National Security Forces partners, uh, that this was as good as it was going to go. What the, the, whole, the whole fiasco wasn't really a fiasco because it would have happened on anybody's watch. That's what I want you to believe. I actually spoke with former President Trump about this earlier in the week, and he laid out in some detail how that's just not true. And there would have been a difference, certainly, in the planning of the evacuations they would have done it in a way that they would have made sure to get every single American out, which did not happen here. And who knows if it's ever going to happen. Oh, then there's also the predictions about how quickly the Afghan government would fall. The administration has had to admit that there was a uh, misjudgment on that one. But in a leaked transcript of a phone conversation between the now fled former president of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, and Joe Biden, Biden, this was weeks ago, told Ashraf Ghani, president of Afghanistan, that he has a, quote, perception problem. This is from the piece. In much of the call, Biden focused on what he called the Afghan government's perception problem. I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan. I believe is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban, Biden said. And there is a need, whether it's true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. Here is Biden telling the, his Afghan counterpart at the time, the president of Afghanistan, for whatever that was worth, obviously not very much. Uh, yeah, just like lie to people and say the fight's going better than it is if you have to. We all know it's not going well. So that was not good. Uh, that shows you that the Biden administration at some level, Joe Biden himself, was aware of how quickly this whole thing was deteriorating and falling apart. When asked about this, uh, Saki Bomb Saki saying... Not gonna, they're not gonna talk about it, not gonna address this, of course. Was the president in any way pushing a false narrative in that call with the Afghan president? I think it's pretty clear. Again, I'm not going to go into details of a private conversation, but what we saw over the course of the last few months is a, a collapse in leadership. And that was happening even before Ghani left the country. What the president has conveyed repeatedly, privately and publicly is you need to stand up and lead your country. Yeah, that worked out really well. There are some libs out there. There are some Democrats who are willing to call this out. They, they just don't have the stomach to continue to spew the lies on behalf of Biden that would be necessary to make this look like anything 
other than a calamity. Washington Post editorial board, believe it or not, wrote this. This is a moral disaster, one attributable not to the actions of military and diplomatic personnel in Kabul who have been courageous and professional in the face of deadly mistakes, deadly dangers rather, but to mistakes strategic and tactical by Mr. Biden and his administration. Yeah. Enormous errors made by Biden. Not by other people on his behalf, not his predecessor, not pointing the finger. Joe Biden is a sub-mediocrity who never should have been elevated to the role in which he now finds himself, never should have honestly been vice president, and shouldn't have been in a place to win election after election as a senator from Delaware, but here we are. And if the bad judgment isn't enough for you, then there are also the lies that were told. Here's ABC News' Martha Raddatz saying that the Biden administration did in fact lie before and during the evacuation. Just on July 8th, the president was saying there's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy of the United States from Afghanistan. Uh, They were clinging to airplanes in those early days. Uh, He was touting the Afghan forces, saying, I trust the capacity of the Afghan military. The president said they were ready, they were prepared for this, but no one was prepared for 11 days for the Taliban to take over. And just about a month ago, he told our George Stephanopoulos that he would get all Americans out. They've gotten 90% of those out. And that 10% right now is scared and still does not know exactly how they're going to get out. But don't worry, Joe Biden did it as well as it possibly could be done, they want you to believe. It's a victory, except for the bad parts. Those are Trump's fault or something. How much equity do you have in your home? 50,000, 100,000, more? Cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign and domestic criminals will come after you. Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. In fact, Home Title Lock, America's leader in home title protection, is alerting homeowners they could already be a victim and not know it. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Next, they pull your home's online title, forge your signature stating you sold your home, and take out loans using your equity. You're not covered by insurance, your bank, or common identity theft programs. Protect your most valuable asset. Register your address now to see if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home, a $100 value, free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. The Taliban are going to be armed to the teeth so that when future American soldiers have to go back in to deal with the problem, and deal with the incompetence of this administration, how many are going to die? Are we going to have another Pulse nightclub? Are we going to have another San Bernardino? Are we going to have another 9-11? Because of that incompetence, our offices right now are operations centers calling gate guards, calling the Kabul airport, guiding people through, telling them how to avoid Taliban checkpoints, our own Congress. It's unbelievable the lack of leadership. So I 100% agree that blood is and will be on Joe Biden's hands, and this Congress will hold him accountable. Florida Congressman Mike Waltz ripping the Biden administration on the withdrawal from Afghanistan and the Taliban's return to power. The decision made by President Biden has raised many questions about the future of the region, including whether the country will once again become a breeding ground for terrorist groups that threaten the West. Former U.S. US Army Green Beret and Florida Congressman Mike Waltz joins me to discuss the final withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, which has already occurred here. Congressman, appreciate you being with us. Yeah, thanks, Buck. It's, it's been a terrible, terrible couple of months and terrible day for this country. 
I have to ask, I mean, is this just beyond even your, your uh, wildest imagination of incompetence for this administration on this issue of the withdrawal? I mean, could, could, you, could you ever have thought this was possible, what we've seen unfold here? Yeah, it's, it's difficult to even begin, you know, where, where, where do you start on the level of incompetence? But let's just start with the announcement in April, full withdrawal, and, and set that debate aside for a moment. Uh, we began, Republican and Democrat, uh, demanding that he start the evacuation of our SIVs, uh, of those who fought with us, uh, and minimizing the American citizen footprint then. The State Department did, that was in April, the State Department didn't even set up a task force to think about it and look at it until June. Meanwhile, we're watching city after city fall, uh, Afghan army unit after Afghan army unit uh, surrender. Uh, and I called for reintroducing American air power, stopping the Taliban advance to buy us time, uh, and destroying the equipment, the billions of dollars uh, uh, worth of artillery, heavy weapons, sniper uh, rifles, night vision, body armor, you name it, that now is going to uh, fund and arm this Taliban terrorist army that future American soldiers are gonna have to deal with. So, you know, and, and then the final thing uh, was walking away from Bagram uh, with 5,000 of the most hardened ISIS and Al Qaeda terrorists there with multiple 12,000 foot runways and a defensible perimeter Instead, uh, they went back into Kabul International in the middle of a city of 4 million people, and we have 13 dead Marines, uh, soldiers, and sailors because of it. So yeah, this incompetence uh, has, has caused more American deaths. This war is not done. America is less safe, and eventually we're going to have to go back and deal with a far worse situation. Do you think that there will be any accountability at the top level of the, the Pentagon brass uh, Congressman Waltz, do you think that anyone's actually going to resign or be fired over this? Because it seems to many of us observing this that if not for a debacle that is this clear, then there can't, I mean, when would there be a resignation right. in disgrace? Well, you have to understand though, we have to, we have to remind everyone, the same team that's around Biden was the Obama team. That was the team responsible for Benghazi. That thought the Bergdahl trade was a great idea, that recklessly yanked us out of Iraq, that led to the rise of the ISIS caliphate and attacks across Europe and inspired attacks here in the United States, that made concession after concession and sent pallets of cash into Iran uh, for, for the Iran deal. And there was no accountability then. I don't expect any accountability now. And that's not just the civilians around um, uh, Biden. Austin at the time was the general in charge of Central Command uh, in, in charge of all of that as well. So this, you know, this kind of band of, of academics and disaster makers have been together for quite some time. Uh, it's incestuous, it's horrible policy. Uh, and the, at fundamental to it all is they believe that if they can appease, uh, give, make concession after concession uh, and be nice enough to our adversaries, eventually they'll be nice enough to us back. And you're seeing that now that has created an axis of terrorist evil from Hamas to Iran to the Taliban to Pakistan. Uh, and, and the world and America is far less safe. But will there be accountability? Will anybody stand up and say, I screwed up, I'm responsible and I'm stepping down? I highly doubt it. There's an article I uh, wanted to have you react to, uh, Insider,
where they write, will Afghanistan become a safe haven for future terrorist groups? There's zero question Afghanistan will now morph into a durable safe haven for terror groups, they write, like Al-Qaeda, who intend to conduct attacks abroad. The propaganda victory by the Taliban and Al-Qaeda have gained, have gained by seizing control of Afghanistan is hard to overstate. Attacks in the West inspired by the outcome in Afghanistan are likely in the coming weeks and months. What do you make of this as, as, uh, as a propaganda piece alone for the global jihadists, uh, Congressman? I mean, I know you've actually faced down this enemy. What is this going to do for their recruitment, for their plotting, planning, and external operations? You know, I, I received a note yesterday from uh, an ambassador, uh, an ally in the Middle East, uh, and he said, you know, the, the narrative across the region is jihad is won, American-style democracy has failed. Uh, and you bet uh, their recruiting numbers, al-Qaeda, ISIS, the Taliban, are through the roof right now. Uh, and further, Biden's own intelligence uh, officials just briefed us last week that al-Qaeda fully intends to rebuild and fully intends to attack the West again. Uh, you know, you're going to see the administration try to draw these false distinctions between good, moderate terrorists that we can work with and bad terrorists that they'll work with us against. And anybody who's worked there knows that they have intermarried, intermingled. Yet sometimes they, certain factions uh, may fight, but the overall movement is dedicated towards jihad against the West. And Biden's policies have just poured fuel on the fire. Here's what the Taliban has obtained after the U.S. evacuation. You mentioned this before when you talked about how the taxpayer has armed them quite thoroughly. 22,000 plus Humvees, uh, 634 MI-17s, uh, 155 mine-proof vehicles, 169 armored personnel carriers, 52,000 pickup trucks, SUVs, 64,000 plus machine guns, 8,000 trucks, etc., etc. Helicopters, 33 MI-17s. Um, uh, so we had helicopters. We also have uh, 33 UH-60 Blackhawks, 43 MD-530s, fixed-wing aircraft, four c 130 I can't get to it all, Congressman. That's the point. There's so much gear, billions and billions of dollars. This feels like the most ascendant, best-armed, best-equipped terrorist army that we will have ever faced if, in fact, you're right and we have to go back. Yeah, this is now a terrorist army and air force of Biden's own making that future American soldiers are, are going to have to deal with. But this time when they go back, you know, they have no bases in the region. We gave them all away. Not a single country surrounding Afghanistan has agreed uh, to host a base, drones, or our special forces, nor are they going to. Putin won't allow it, China won't allow it, and Pakistan and Iran certainly aren't going to do it. Uh, and, and then, you know, we have to deal with this, with this arsenal. Uh, so this isn't just, irresponsible or kind of bad theoretical policy. This is going to get future American soldiers killed. He hasn't ended the war. He's extended it and made it far worse. Uh, and it, 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 it truly just boggles my mind uh, how you could do this much damage in just 10 months of being in office. Congressman, sorry you're here on a day like today, but we do appreciate the perspective, the expertise, and we'll talk to you about this again soon. Absolutely. We're going to stop them from recognizing this Taliban government, and we need to push them to support the resistance that's still there. We're going to keep this fight up. Sounds good, sir. Thank you again. All right. For sure. Right now, I want to tell you about my friends at Mind Digital Money. The crypto market, cryptocurrencies, really heating up. People want to get in on the action. Bitcoin, Ethereum, any of those digital tokens that are out there, there's a lot of them. 
but it's not easy to get started. That's where my digital money comes in. It's an easy to use self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge level customer service. It's one of the few US-based cryptocurrency companies that'll answer your phone call and help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities, and a play money account so you can test things out without actually risking your cash. This might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment in a long time. You need people when it comes to your money who have your back and treat you like a human. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CDC goes woke in an attempt to, quote, eliminate dehumanizing language. The agency published a new language guide to promote health equity and inclusive communication. The guide discourages using terms like alcoholic, smoker, uninsured, elderly, inmate, homeless, poor, disabled, homosexual, illegal immigrant. Yeah, a lot of things. But the CDC under a major microscope these days, see what we did there for the past year and a half, it's only a matter of time before they bent the knee to satisfy woke science-defying demand. So what's next and what do we make of this? Here you react Rob Smith, host of Rob Smith is Problematic. Rob, always good to have you, my man. Always good to be here, Buck. So the CDC is a massive federal bureaucracy, and I think it's important for people to know that these federal bureaucracies are just like corporate boardrooms now, full of woke jargon and ideology. Uh, the preferred terms to give some, you know, they actually give you a chart here, Rob. Instead of inmate, say people or persons who are incarcerated. Instead of alcoholic, person with substance abuse disorder. Instead of a smoker, a person or people who smoke. I mean, your tax dollars at work here, Rob. What the heck? Yeah, this is absolutely ridiculous. And I think this is very indicative of how you know, we talk about this a lot because we're about 10, 15 years into this huge social media revolution. So everything that started in Twitter, everything that started in sociology one-on-one -on -one classes and college campuses, this has all made its way to some of the, the biggest organizations in our society. This is the Centers for Disease Control, right? This is the CDC. And they're saying that you have to use nicer language when we're talking about smokers. We have to use a nicer language when we're talking about people that have alcohol addiction issues. Um, probably people um, that have obesity. So these are the issues that the CDC exists to try to combat. And we have to speak plainly about these issues if we really want to combat them. But now they are bowing to the Marxists and the woke mob of Twitter to sort of um, change the language. To me, uh, it, it is very infuriating. And it's also very sinister in a way, because like I said, but when these people can control your language, when they control what you, what you call things, when they control the way in which you speak, they can control everything. So we have a CDC that is completely controlled by woke leftists that came out of Twitter. It's actually unbelievable. I mean, some of these too, Rob, it's just, 
it's amazing that, that they clearly feel like there's some kind of a benefit just from the performative act of trying to seem highly sensitive. I mean, you can't call someone homeless. You have to say it's a person experiencing homelessness. I mean, no, no rational adult could, could say that out loud and say that this is a worthwhile expenditure of time and, and taxpayer dollars or any, forget about even the taxpayer, just anyone's time, energy, effort, and money here. But I do think it goes to a, a broader level of, of what you're bringing up, which is that indoctrination, ideological indoctrination to be woke leftists is now, is now infiltrating and all over the federal bureaucracy. Yeah, it really has. And the thing that is the most um, off-putting about this whole thing is that the CDC, this is another, yet another organization that people used to trust, right? Um, people are not going to trust them with this woke left language. And God knows that after the coronavirus pandemic and dealing with all of this stuff, you know, the, the people's trust of these institutions are less and less. But how are we going to combat these things? How are we going to combat things like obesity? How are we going to combat things like homelessness? How are we going to combat all of these things that these federal bureaucracies are supposed to combat if we cannot even speak of them plainly? Oh, it's no, you know, we can't fight obesity because, you know, we can't call it obesity. We have to call it people experiencing obesity or we can't fight homelessness. We have to, we have to watch our language uh, before we get real about that stuff. And a lot of the, the issues that are going on in society right now, and you and I talk about this a lot, is because people cannot speak plainly and openly about these issues. But for the far left ideologues that now control the CDC, um, for the woke Twitter mafia um, that pushes their language orthodoxy on everything, this is what they want because they wanna control the language. They don't necessarily want to fix these issues. It is ridiculous. It is a waste of taxpayer dollars. I honestly can't even believe we're talking about it, but this is just where we are right now. And, and, and to, to make me, let me make one more point. Sure. This stuff is not going to end once we get the senile buffoon that's in office right now out. Um, this stuff is, is going to become, in, in the words of the left, systemic. So we're going to be dealing with this stuff and these changes that are being made right now for decades to come. It's unbelievable. And Robin, I mentioned that this is all over the federal bureaucracy, all over the federal government. We were just talking about the CDC and their word guide a second ago. You know, the DOJ has hired its first ever Chief Diversity Officer. Uh, Chief Diversity Officer, according to a statement put out, will join the Deputy Assistant Attorney General to lead and coordinate the department's diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. The advertised salary for this job makes up to $172,000 a year. I mean, Rob, this to me, it's like, it's like in the Soviet Union when they had political yeah. commissars who are in every unit of the military, every major factory, every government body, a person whose job was just to walk around and make sure that you only thought and said the approved things by the party. That's from yeah. the perspective of a leftist what, what it seems to me the chief diversity officer at DOJ is gonna be doing. But you know, it, it's not even that, okay? So I believe that you know, if we're having different, you know, people in different roles, I, I think that you should get the best person for the job. You know, people want diversity, inclusion, like I understand all of that. But with a position like this, it's nothing, it's for nothing else but the Biden administration, all these people to trot whoever this person is out to be on panels, to go on cable news, to do all of this stuff, um, and to get paid, you know, to the tune of $172,000 a year, that is going to come from taxpayer money. 
So these positions, these sort of diversity officers, um, they exist in pretty much every aspect of society. Uh, all the mainstream corporations, Madison Avenue, advertising agencies, et cetera, these people generally do nothing. They are just people that are trotted out to be on panels, to be the public face of quote unquote diversity uh, for the organization, while the organization does absolutely nothing. And furthermore, this is not even about diversity or inclusion or any of these other buzzwords. This is about them finding people who adhere to their particular ideology. And they want to fill all of these government organizations with people that are sort of very loyal to that ideology. And like I said, again, if we get this senile buffoon out of, out of office in three and a half years, whoever comes in, I hope to God it is a Republican, whether it's Trump, DeSantis, whoever, fire every single one of these people that was appointed during the Biden administration, because God knows when the Biden administration came in, they fired everybody that was appointed by Trump. Rob, always good to see you. Thanks for being with us. All right. Thanks, bud. Let me tell you about a huge opportunity. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but didn't have the time to do it on your own? And you don't want to make rookie mistakes. I felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago. I always loved the idea of real estate investments, but I didn't want to get involved without guidance. That's when I met my friends at Done For You Real Estate. They took all the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me. And now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For You Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. Again, every step of the process from picking the city, the house, getting the loan set up, getting a tenant in place, and a management company to handle the whole thing for you. Just go to doneforyoubuck.com to see what my friends can do for you. Again, that's doneforyoubuck.com to begin your real estate investment journey. Those school districts are violating state law and they are taking, they're overriding what the parents' judgment is on this. They are thumbing their nose at the rights of parents. Some of these districts had let parents had, had honored the ability of the parent, to, and then they're taking it back. You can't go above the law and take away people's rights. And that's what they're doing. They're taking away parents' rights, and there will be consequences. That was Ron DeSantis in response to some backlash she faced after uh, making sure that parents would be able to choose whether their children wear masks in school, essentially saying you can't have an all-out mask mandate. Some local communities have implemented masks regardless of what the governor has had to say. One local judge finds DeSantis' order unconstitutional. Take a look. The governor was told that use of masks is child abuse and bringing harm to every child in the country. I've seen no scientific evidence of that to support that statement in this case. The law expressly permits school boards to adopt policies regarding the health care of students, such as a face mask mandate. We don't have a right to go into a crowded theater and yell fire because we decided it's our right to do that. That judge is a moron, by the way. The crowded, fire, uh, crowded theater fire line comes from when the Supreme Court wrongly decided that opposing a war was something that caused a clear and present danger. It was a huge blow to the First Amendment, wrongly decided. Uh, but that same judge, who's an idiot, called this decision against DeSantis a win for parents. Is it? Are parents gaining something out of this, or is it just another victory for authoritarian libs in local government? Joining me now is Ned Ryan, the CEO of American Majority. 
He's here to help debunk the hypocrisy and tear apart the madness. Ned, my man, always good to have you. Yeah, no, good to be with you. You actually stole my line as I'm listening to that judge thinking he's an idiot. So you can call him an idiot. I'll call him a moron because mm. he clearly doesn't know the science uh, about mask mandates, has clearly not taken any time or shown any intellectual curiosity to look in the so-called science of mask mandates for children. You know, my good buddy, beginning of this month, Dr. Marty McCary wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal in which he said, there's only been one study done on the entire issue of mask mandates for children in this country, and it was inconclusive. But we can look across the globe, we can look at what Europe CDC has said about mask mandates for children. They are actually recommending that nobody under the age of 12 in schools wears a mask. We see in England, there are no mask mandates in school because again, they're looking at the real science and the real facts of what, what mask mandates for children actually means. And to further that point, Buck, I mean, 10 days ago, the University of Waterloo out of Canada had a study on the efficacy of masks in which they show that those blue surgical masks that everybody wears on crowded airplanes are basically about 10% effective. The N95 masks are maybe 50% effective. And in fact, it's moderate ventilation that is effective as any masks that are out there right now. Furthermore, Buck, if we wanna talk about science and facts, we now have a year worth of data from US schools in which we know that where masks are optional versus where masks are mandated, the mask optional schools actually have a lower rate of COVID. So Judge Cooper is an idiot and a moron and deeply ignorant on the real science and facts about mask mandates for children. I agree with you on all counts, Ned, but you already knew that. Uh, you and I have been <laughs> seeing this the same way for a long time. I mean, the mask maniacs, this is a religious observation for many people now. They think that they're a good Scientific. person if they bend their knee to the uh, Fauciite religion. But there's also a, a, just a government issue here and, and the Democrat approach to everything that I see where when they have, let's say, the governor's mansion, they mandate it from the state down. When they have the federal government, they mandate it from the federal government. When they don't have the ability to mandate it federally or they don't have the governor's mansion, they don't have uh, state control, they just decide at the local level, yeah, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to essentially nullify what the states do. So th it seems like the Democrat view of mask mandates is we get mandates even when we don't have the political power to do it because we say so. Well, and they can say so at some levels because Buck, unlike the right, they have focused a lot on the state and local levels. I mean, they dominate a lot of school boards because they actually thought school boards were important years ago, while the right, let's be honest, was spending all their time putting money into federal races into ridiculous think tanks. Uh, and the left was obsessed with taking over city councils and school boards and mayoral offices. And it, I think in some ways it is a rebuke to us as we look at this madness of mask mandates and CRT at the school board level. Uh, we should probably be a little more serious about taking over school boards uh, if we really care about future generations of Americans. Outside of Florida, some of these mandates and rules are getting some attention at my alma mater, Amherst College. Uh, they have now a new, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Ned, but they have new mask and vaccine mandates at Amherst, where I went to school for four years. Students uh, say the guidelines are not based on any given data, have been developed without student input, and are stri uh, significantly stricter than peer institutions and in conflict with the CDC's guidelines. In response uh, to the student pushback, Amherst's president responded, we're in the midst of a surge. Uh, now is not the time to relax key restrictions. Just to give folks a sense of what the restrictions are, Ned, 
They are telling people, you must be vaccinated to go to campus. Okay, that's just step one. You must be vaccinated. There are gathering restrictions. There are mask mandates inside and outside. And the best of all, you are not allowed under Amherst rules now as a student to leave campus to go to town, which is right next door, unless you have a critical need such as banking or going to the pharmacy. You know, this is in some ways shouldn't surprise us, Buck. We've been seeing this build for decades where, you know, the American people have become an unthinking people. The the idea of critical thought uh, is obviously not taught in our schools and certainly not at the indoctrination centers of higher learning. But it's like we're a bunch of of zombie sheep just going along with, well, the so-called experts said so. Uh, You know, I've called them credentialed idiocracy, but we're just following along because somewhere someone said, well, we think that you should do X, Y, and Z, when in fact the the science and the facts have nothing to do with any of this. In fact, we know that being outside uh, is actually one of the, you don't need a mask uh, being outside. Again, it's the air and the ventilation that provide one of the best uh, defenses against COVID. So, you know, it'd be really nice, Buck, if we actually got back to, okay, you wanna have a conversation about science and facts, Let's look at the science and facts, and guess what? The science and facts are on our side, not on your side. Ned, what's it gonna take for the American people to finally wake up, you think? What can we do? I mean, you mentioned how people are realizing now school boards are actually important, and we should, as conservatives, pay attention to them. How do we organize to get our lives back from the Fauciite madness? Well, first of all, it's gotta be political consequences for those making these idiotic decisions. I mean, here in Loudoun, you know, Ian Pryor, who I was helping out gather signatures for the Loudoun School Board, we just filed to remove the first school board member last week. Uh, there should be a second one coming. So my my response to this buck would be political consequences. We have to rise up and say, you're going to do this. Our reaction to this will run you out of office. Uh, so we can get some common sense approach back to, to local governance as well as at our federal government because none of what's taking place at any level right now, federal, state, or local, for the most part, except for DeSantis and a few others, has anything to do with common sense. It's with people that are completely detached and devoid from facts and science who are power hungry. You know, that evil little gnome Fauci, I think he just makes it up as he goes. And we have to finally, at some point, say enough's enough and uh, get back into political power so we can right the ship. Ned, we got our work cut out for us, but good to have you on our team. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. Right now, I want to tell you about my friends at Mind Digital Money. The crypto market, cryptocurrencies, really heating up. People want to get in on the action. Bitcoin, Ethereum, any of those digital tokens that are out there, there's a lot of them. But it's not easy to get started. That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities, and a play money account so you can test things out without actually risking your cash. This might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment in a long time. You need people when it comes to your money who have your back and treat you like a human. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
In tonight's Quick Hits, we'll honor the 13 U.S. service members who were killed in Afghanistan last week. Before we get into that, let's take a look at some other stories. Uh, remember that Marine who called for accountability from top-level military commanders? Uh, this gentleman right here, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. Well, this is the latest update we've got for you on it. He has uh, resigned after he was relieved of duty. A uh, Marine Corps officer who was relieved of his command for chastising his bosses over the botched Afghan withdrawal has decided to call it quits, the New York Post story goes. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who came under fire after a Facebook post last week, said on YouTube Sunday that he's sticking by his guns, resigning his commission, walking away from a $2 million pension after 17 years of military service. Uh, it's a man who clearly has the courage of his convictions. Um, he broke with uh, military rules and regulations, but it seems that only sometimes are those really enforced against individuals. Bill de Blasio, still the mayor of New York City, and he is an awful person and a terrible mayor, and there's nothing that you would say about this guy generally that would be anything other than deeply critical, if you were being honest. But uh, he did have just kind of a moment today um, where people say, wow, Bill de Blasio, here he is um, with a, uh, a turban on at a, at a meeting of, uh, I believe, Sikhs in Queens. You see, this got a lot, it's just, basically we're just taking this as an excuse to show you this photo of Bill de Blasio um, being Bill de Blasio. I don't, I don't know what else to say other than that. So there you go. I mean, the worst mayor in New York, but people, you know, we're stuck with him for another year. Um, Biden, as you know, there's a terrible uh, hurricane that's hit uh, Louisiana in the last 24 hours, Hurricane Ida. Joe Biden is trying to project some sense of, of command, trying to be uh, out there making it seem like he's in control and we don't have essentially an empty suit or a declining uh, dementia patient, the kind of things that people say about Biden. He's fighting against that notion and certainly that imagery. Um, but here, at, he was at a Hurricane Ida meeting, and not only does he sound lost, but he called Cedric Richmond, well, you can hear it yourself. And thanks for joining me. I'm here. Uh, uh, the FEMA director is on. Uh, uh, FEMA director Chris Wells, she, she's on. And I'm here with, uh, with my senior advisor and uh, boy who knows Louisiana very, very well, man. And in New Orleans, and uh, Cedric Richmond. Yeah, Joe Biden, the guy who's at the top of the federal government, uh, most powerful man in the world, really, and at least maybe the people around him now, you could say, his advisors and the people that are really calling the shots, uh, they perhaps are more accurately described as a collection of the most powerful people because it feels like these days no one really believes Joe Biden is actually the guy who's making the big calls. That's what it feels like right now. Anyway, on to something more important and something that is um, sacred, and that is paying our respects and, and showing all due um, fealty and, uh, and a sense of, uh, just a sense of thanks for the tremendous sacrifice made by 13 U.S. service members who were killed in Kabul last week. Um, here, here we want to show you who they were. These are the, the soldiers, men and women, who gave their lives 
Maxton Soviac 22. This is top row uh, across, you see there, Maxton Soviac, Kareem Nikawi 20, Marines, David Lee Espinoza 20, Marines, Ryan McCollum 20, Marines, Jared Schmitz 20, Marines in the bottom row, Hunter Lopez 22, Marines, Dagan Page 23, Marines, Darren Taylor Hoover Jr. 31, Marines, Johanny Rosario Pichardo 25, Marines, Umberto Sanchez 22, Marines, and then we have one more, Nicole Gee, 23, Marines, Dylan Marola, 20, Marines, and Ryan Naus, 23, Army. All gave their lives for you, for me, for this country. Remember that. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.